welcome to the Pink Bike Racing Podcast, named aptly as It's All Downhill From Here. Now, naming aside, sometimes running a World Cup team really feels like an uphill battle, but it's weekends like this one that make it all worth it. My name is Henry Quinney, and sat opposite me is a certain Mr. Ben Cathro. Now, Ben, who has been looking for any chance to wear the tightest white trousers since his infatuation with Vince Neil began, decided to go through all of this starting a World Cup team all just to try and race in the tightest, whitest trousers in a very, very wet Fort William. So, Ben, talk us through this weekend, and when can we expect the big hair? So, I mean, they're not that tight. I mean, there's a little bit of slack to them. (laughs) Uh, I I wouldn't say they were white anymore either, because they're currently sat in a bin bag in the back of the van we're sat in, decidedly brown. How are we going to get them white again? What are we going to do? I mean, I hope there's no one... Uh, a fan of saving the planet listing but mm. they might be getting tossed yeah I think we'll have to just die in black and they can be the new black ones uh, uh, I'm going to go at them it's a hot soapy water and some vanish whitener <laughs> <laughs> housekeeping tips that's our next mm. thing um, so you know in these episodes we're just going to give an honest breakdown of the race the new bikes the teams the race itself and maybe some gossip and plenty of speculation along the way And of course, you know, we're going to give you a rundown of what our world was like in our own little bubble of pink bike racing. Now, we record this podcast on the morning of the day after finals. Now, that means we're just doing it by the roadside in Ben's van. Harry, one of our media crew, wasn't a fan of the brick in a bucket in a cave soundscape. But I like it. I think it's pretty authentic. So we're kind of sticking to it. (laughs) The Bucket Boys podcast was already taken by some KFC enthusiasts. So we're keeping it as is, but please don't expect any high levels of production because you're just barking up the wrong tree. But before we get into the race at large, let's run over pink bike racing and how we got on and um, how we did it at the World Cup, how it went before the World Cup, our time in Scotland, and talk some about some of the realities of running a World Cup team. So if we go back to Lords, last time we spoke to the viewers, a bit of time's passed. Lords came very early in the season. And interestingly enough, a race that's technically in the winter in France is far warmer and sunnier than a a race in late spring in Scotland. Um, It's funny, if it had been the other way, France would have been crucified. Yeah. Oh God, it's so irresponsible coming to Fort Bill in May and it's just a shit show. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, let's talk through it, Ben. So give us a bit of an update about how the team's going since we last spoke in Lourdes. Okay, so Lourdes was, yeah, our first big outing as a team. It was a collection of individuals who all could do their own jobs Mm -hmm. very well. Mechanics, physios, riders and everything. And they were all thrown into that event at Lourdes without much direction. It was... uh, No, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I won't hear that. (laughs) We had had direction. (laughs) The compass was just spinning. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, right, well, you're a mechanic. Fix bikes. <laughs> you're a racer? Well, go fast. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I have never managed anyone. I barely managed myself. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I went in very green around the gills and naive as naive can be. And uh, we made it happen. Mm. Like, uh, had some good riding, decent result from Amy went pretty well but uh, a lot was taken away from that first round in Lourdes and a lot of changes were kind of implemented for the testing camp Mm -hmm. when we everyone flew over to do the national race at Fort William two weeks before the World Cup and uh, tried to be a bit more organized with that yeah and uh, started off okay Mm -hmm. it's a strong start more was learned (laughs) (laughs) so um you know the team meetings we were going to have every week um, are we going to have one of them <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah yeah team right okay I'm yeah. actually going to start making a schedule for these things but it's, it's funny man like you know there's so many just bullshit corporate words like team building synergy mm. you know mm. And it's just, you do end up finding yourself being like, what we need is to some more direction to utilize our available human mm. resource. And it, but like fact is that, you know, even though, like if you had a company of eight people, mm. like, imagine if you owned, you owned, say any I don't know, mm. a shop or something and you end up mm. having eight members of staff, mm. be like, oh, that's actually a fair bit of planning. Mm. It's not to expect that they're just going to turn up to work and mm. sell the things. Mm-hmm. 
but because it's a World Cup team, we're all mountain bikers. Yeah. I think oftentimes it's, you know, it's, it, I mean, it is, it is a big challenge. It's a big logistical challenge. I remember when I started doing the, like when I joined Polygon, like, I mean, I was green, but I was completely out of my depth. Mm. Um, just the ordering and getting the right things in the right place at the right time with the right considerations, like thinking about who's going to be where and who can take what, you know, customs, borders and checks, you know, taxes, this, that, the other. I mean, you're, you're going from sorting out yourself, which is, you know, one thing, but I don't, I don't think it's a case of diminishing returns. Mm. I think once you get the, like, it's actually a shit ton more work to do four riders than it is mm. to do one. Mm. It's probably five times the amount of work, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, and I mean, I can know Lords was this to one, it's a kind of wild experience in that, yeah, I think we got through it, but the application wasn't really there. I think mm. it'd be fair to say, I feel like in Fort William and our test camping in Leithen, we, we applied ourselves a lot better. Mm. And, um, and you know, what's cool, man, like, I don't know. Like we we had some pretty frank discussions, um, not not in a bad way, but just like this is how I feel, this is how you feel, like yada yada. I mean, and that's not not just me, but like the team in general. And honestly, like I don't know, I'd rather have. And maybe this is going to get a bit gushing for you, Ben. But I'd rather have like a boss that I like that is open to development, mm. rather than someone who's been there and done it all, but is a bit of a bit of a, I'm trying to think of a word that doesn't begin with C. It's a bit of an idiot, you know? <laughs> um, so for me, like, it's fine as part of the process. And I, I really, I think the the staff and the riders are just, you know, I I, I've, I think really highly of all of them. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool position mm. to be in. Yeah, well, I mean, I, like, on reflection, didn't even know what you're supposed to do to manage a team, to be mm. honest, to manage anyone. It's, uh, I would assume that you tell everyone, right, we're going to be doing an event at this time. Uh, here's your flights. We'll see you there. Do your jobs there. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, like we've been talking about things like corporate structure and who mm. answers to who and all that kind of stuff. I don't have a clue about any of this. This is all mm. like people would say, why aren't you doing this? I was like, are you supposed to do that? Mm. Is that a thing? Yeah. And yeah, I have learned a lot over this last couple months. Yeah. And it's been actually really interesting. Are we going to do that trust exercise where we fall backwards into each other's arms? <laughs> I'd be too tempted to do. Put you, put you with Amy and just like <laughs> six foot seven of Scott, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, no, she's strong. She can handle it. <laughs> so another big change for us is, of course, Olin's coming on board mm. as well as Kushkor. Yep. So we've had lots of testing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, the suspension is obviously for, I mean, for me, at the level I ride, like, you know, there's, there's good and there's, there's good and there's kind of not great stuff, but largely once you're on something good, you're happy. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're riding at an elite level, going between very good brands is very different. Mm -hmm. You know, like going between your Rock Shocks, Fox or Olin's, they all do feel different. And you do see that sometimes in terms of results, you know, people sometimes drop off when they move from Boxer to Fox or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, how's it been getting on with the Olins? So, uh, like you've said, it's just very different. So I think you learn processes mm -hmm. over time. So, uh, like, uh, I used to run Fox for years and years and years. So if I was riding and I felt something, I'd be like, oh, well, I just do this. And that sorts, sorts yeah. it. And then on the Olins, I'd be like, oh, I'm feeling this. Um, well, this is what I used to do. Try it. So you add damping or change pressure or something like that. And go, oh, that doesn't make the same change mm. that it would have done on another product. So we're having to kind of learn, yeah, just different processes. Well, actually, not even learn. It's just experiment and then yeah. see see what the feedback is. And it was really interesting because we actually made a lot of changes. We got the bikes feeling what we thought was really good at the National in Fort William. And we're like, yes, we're making a lot of progress. The bike's feeling comfortable. And then one of the evenings we started watching some videos mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was Thibaut and Peter were like, oh, that bike does not look good. Mm. Like you could see the way it was moving. It was just um, the chassis was uh, moving too much. So the bike wasn't stable underneath the rider. And we're like, oh, right. So it felt all right, but it wasn't actually stable. So it was comfortable, mm. but it wasn't actually a stable platform. So then we've had to 
do some more more testing and more tweaking and actually using the video feedback as well to get a little bit more information and then by the time we got to the Fort William World Cup and we had videos of the same sections it looked a lot better it did look a lot better yeah I was really really happy with the work we did in Leith I mean so Thibaut is sort of the, the kind of consummate professional 25 years old French rider mm -hmm. he was saying that this William this weekend at Fort William was the first weekend he didn't qualify since 2019, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, since maybe the start of the 2019 season, mm -hmm. something ridiculous. You know, he's incredibly consistent. He was had a really good pace this weekend. Sadly, had quite a spectacular crash. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, he's kind of been pushing on one end of the spectrum. Then we've had Jackson join us from Australia. Yeah. He's kind of post-surgery. Um, and he came into, you know, kind of came into the fold of sort of an established dynamic already. Mm -hmm. But he's fitted right in. He, he's, he's been great to have around. And um, his process was more actually sort of acclimatization with the, the V10. Yeah. As sure. well as the Olins. Yeah, he hadn't really been riding bikes much at all. He said he was 25 weeks off mm. the bike because he actually had to have a bone graft in his shoulder from a dislocation and chipping the bone. So pretty serious surgery. So he had a lot of time off the bike, a lot of rehab. Mm. And he said himself he's nowhere near full strength, mm. but his shoulder is stable enough that he can ride. So he's just excited to be over and experience in the world cups riding his bike and kind of building his strength back up again and yeah he did just turn up and immediately just started swearing and getting and right fight, fight stuck in fighting tebow fighting tebow that was a big thing <laughs> pink bike mma team it's just but the funny thing is so tebow's, tebow's bigger and stronger but i think jackson actually used to do like mixed martial arts or something or kickboxing uh, he, he, he's done he's something done, he's done he's, something because he's, tebow... he's had training <laughs> Tebow was like giving it the beacon and like we're just there like just trying to trying to get down a nice lasagna and it's just like on the floor in the kitchen like lads but um also you know that's those two um you know with Amy we did loads of good work at Inlethan actually one of the things we did that really felt like it made loads of progress actually just getting a good base on the suspension mm -hmm. and working in terms of like dimension and fit um so small tweaks um it should feel like you know Working with her, she, it sounds like she's in. She's really happy with the riding, mm -hmm. which is which is great news. And um, and now going forward, I think we're going to hopefully then kind of narrow our horizons in terms of suspension setup. And then, um, you know, you and I, we just kind of smashed through various settings and just kind mm -hmm. of got you, got you set up on the Olins as well. Mm -hmm. you seemed pretty happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did some experimentations with the forks with because uh, it's got two, three chambers, three mm -hmm. air chambers, positive, negative, and a ramp chamber. And we're playing with the ramp chamber to try and uh, help the front end sit up a little bit more. We went a bit too far with it. We brought it back. I was happy with it by the end of Inaluthum. But then when we got to Fort William, we realized it was still like a little bit too far. Mm. And we ended up having to bring the pressure down because the front end was just feeling a little bit like it would go light mm. over crests and off of things. And I felt like I was having to work to keep the front end down, like on the backside of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we ended up just playing a little bit more with those air pressures and using the compression and rebound to kind of like, you know, adjust as we were changing the pressures. And it's it's weird, there's no solid science that we can give you here um, that if you're trying to glean some information for, from setup, it's just a lot of experimentation and then just going off of feel and timing. Yeah. But mainly feel for this one mm. um, at the World Cup and it seemed to work. It seemed went okay because yeah. another thing that we did, which we didn't have in Lords, is we've actually been running a plus 15, plus 10 mil spacer mm -hmm. for you, which is basically so you're running an effective stem length of 60 mil now. Yep. And it is, you know, I mean, just, it's just making the V10 XL just bigger. Yep, a little bit bigger. Because um, you do have an a, a, for those that don't know, you run plus 15 mil sort of an adapted rear end. Mm, um, I think I think it's a plus ten. A plus so 10. the back end usually has a plus minus ten. Oh, of course, we've got yes. we've got a plus extra ten. Mm. So it's a plus twenty. Yeah. On the back and yeah, that spacer on the front just to lift it up and increase the stem length just by a little bit. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, and we did we did go through. I mean, I think a lot of people. I think even happened to burn a cut in his race one going mm. through chain rings. Yeah. Um, what, why do you think that is? I mean, we race a lot of rough places. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's the, the frequency or the speed of Fort William that just makes chain rings mm, a bit No, um, holes getting bigger. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of big holes that were 
kind of fine to begin mm. with. Like you, you would deal with it, but there was there was some actual like axle deep holes that yeah. if you actually ran through them, usually what happens at Fort William is so much rock in the ground is that the rut is soft, but then on either edge of it there's rocks mm. and uh yeah, chain ring just munches into mm. them. Um and also like as the holes get a little bit bigger, um if you go light and then land in a section that has a hole, um it just takes you through the suspension like so quickly, yeah. like landing like in a harsh kind of like like if the wheel lands in a hole, uh, the bike ends up getting to the ground really quick because like on the back side of a hole, there's usually a big lump and a yes. rock or something on the back of it, and it's just yeah, it's just, 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 just the way the track developed. It was mm. just not nice to the middle undercarriage <laughs> of the bicycles. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. I mean, apart from that, you know, for us, we just. New set of brake pads at the weekend. Uh, tw uh, new chain. Twisted mech, which may have been oh, from my crash yes. uh, in early thin. Yeah. Um, but uh, normal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, super good. Like, we've still got the same bearings and stuff in the frame since the start of the year, which is a lot of fresh washing. Um, put some new headset bearings on Amy's bike, but yours mm -hmm. were actually all right. Mm -hmm. I mean, which for me is like, I remember again a couple of years ago, yeah, doing headset bearing like every other day, every day. Mm -hmm. um, which I think it can be for a couple of different reasons. I've heard on some bikes that run particularly low stack heights, you have to then run so much, maybe maybe so much um, steerer poking at the top mm -hmm. to get the height, then mm -hmm. it's just more leverage. Mm -hmm. And you've got a 200 mil fork, which is a lot of leverage one way, mm -hmm. and 80 kilograms of rider hanging off the bars the other way. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that's that's one reason that some you know sometimes it can cook headset bearings. But all in all, like, super happy. Mm -hmm. Really, really happy. I mean, it's, um, you know, I'm not going to say, <laughs> to be honest, I kind of earned my keep this week, but it was with other stuff. The bikes are actually mm. really good. We, um, you know, world global part shortage. We got hubs really late, so I was just building wheels. Mm. I mean, if people came past the pits to say hello, I w it looked like I was still building the same wheel. It didn't take me three days to build one wheel. <laughs> Normally, I do about a wheel in about two days. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> um, but that, yeah. That one spare wheel is looking really good. <laughs> But um, no, I mean, another thing people ask is, you know, about wheels and at this level at World Cup racing is a case of thread locking them, mm -hmm. um, which sometimes people kind of get a bit weirded out by. But I think mm -hmm. it's interesting just that, you know, I think some people turn their nose up at it. Yeah. You need to thread lock them to keep keep tension. It's just it's just the reality of, of World Cup racing and also the, the, the consequence of it, of it mm -hmm. failing. Um, but yeah, I just thought it'd be a nice little tidbit for our listeners just to hear about what, a, and maybe we'll check back in a couple of couple of episodes yeah. and, and um, see what else we might have done see what we've, see if see if a whole like set of parts and stuff have disappeared onto my yeah. my bike no i don't know <laughs> but no, no, no well i think <laughs> uh tebow also scratched the brake lever on a stanchion and his mm. crash in his race run so yeah. we've not swapped them out but we probably will yeah we yeah, yeah. for sure man but, i mean that's you crash on the rocks at fort william something is getting something damaged getting. <laughs> his arm man yeah the pizza <laughs> <laughs> it's a big old calzone it is pretty rough like bleeding through his jersey it looked quite yeah. dramatic yeah it did look like the him. filmmakers were like poor guy yes 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 drama <laughs> slow one get a slow one zoom yeah right um, another thing I wanted to talk about is um, the union team's bikes getting stolen uh, what was that about that's gnarly it's it's the kind of worst fear of a team manager, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are other worse things, but it's the kind of thing that you... It's not out of the realms of possibility. Bikes get stolen. They're worth a lot. Mm. It's a huge event. Anyone that's wanting to steal bikes and wants to steal a lot of them, I mean, you look that, that's just like yeah, an easy but, target. But, yeah, the World Cups have security. Yeah, I was going to say, so... People will be listening at home and thinking, mm -hmm. why the hell did they leave, leave the bikes at the pits? Mm -hmm. Can you just explain the thought process of why you might end up leaving bikes at the pits? So when, when teams start to get bigger, the logistics of ferrying people and bikes to and from your accommodation actually starts to become a little bit hectic. Especially it's, when you've got the accommodation so it's so tight in yeah, Fort William. Yeah, and it's like we didn't have much space. We had bikes in Amy's room. We had bikes in the hallway. We had bikes in the, the living room, like around the dining table. We were like bumping into them and stuff. So we actually, one of the nights we were like, you know what, there's security, there's a team of security mm. roving around all through the night, we'll leave the bikes locked in one of the vehicles mm. um, at the venue. And uh, we were lucky mm. in that it was fine. But uh, yeah, apparently they cut through a fence at the back of the, um, the venue and 
the union's vehicle, the big Santa Cruz logo on the yeah. side, and I think they probably just saw that and went, right, yeah, we're done. going for that one. And yeah, got a lot of their spares, a lot of the bikes. Just it's just shitty, but, oh, but pit space isn't cheap. No, you know, and it's like, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I understand that people, like I said, will be saying, how could you, you know, how could that happen? But I, I put the thing like, if you pay for security, if mm-hmm. you put your, if you put your bike in a hotel room, mm-hmm. and someone came up to your hotel room, kicked the door down, and stole the bike, mm-hmm. and it's, the event detail, the event security in the morning said, oh, by the way. At some point during the night, can't explain it. Um, your personal belongings have gone. Mm-hmm. You'd probably be a bit pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I, d- I mean, I don't know the, the intricacies. Maybe that's an over- oversimplification. But I, I just, I guess, when I saw the the news thing on Pinkbike, I did flick through the comments, and there were some people sort of hate to say I told you so sort of attitude of like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, why did you leave them there? And honestly, these people aren't stupid, and they really mm-hmm. care. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't laziness on their part or anything no. like that. It was. You pay for security and you think you're going to get it. Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense. And then I think a lot of uh, teams actually have someone that stay on site for mm. that reason as well. So there would have been people sleeping nearby mm. and they still didn't hear anything. Yeah. Um, no one was alerted. So it's, yeah, it, it seems like a real safe bet mm. to leave everything locked up on the venue. Because there's no security at the houses. Yeah. You know, there was security on the, ra- the race site. That yeah. almost seems like the safest totally. option. Totally. Yeah. yeah, but it sucks them. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope they get it all sorted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, luckily, it's not straight onto Lear Gang now. Um, Syndicate jumped in and gave him some frames. We gave him some forks. I think mm-hmm. uh, Specialized gave him some forks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it just sucks. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, so, let's go on to the race itself and talk about the junior women and mm-hmm. both try and keep it not that too excitable and actually be relatively objective uh-huh. about about the results. So um, Gracie Hemstreet won again. Mm. Fantastic result. Canadian yep. rider on in the Norco. Look, can just move the biker out however she wants. She mm. looks like she's full control of yeah. that Norco in the air and it's kind of a bit jealous to be honest. Yeah, man. <laughs> Wish I could look that good. Dude, I'm there like fucking smashing my, my bump stop into the frame to get it sideways, eh? <laughs> Just running, just running double, double bumpers on one fork. Yeah. Like. Bang! <laughs> Whoa! I really kicked out that time. I'm not sure how to bring it back. Maybe try slapping it the other way. <laughs> Mate, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> but um, Phoebe Gale, Scottish rider, mm. who smashed the BDS a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, what happened in a race, Ben? So we actually did a story of the race, kind of featuring what happened uh, in the middle of the World Cup track. There's the World Cup woods, quite technical section, with a big drop across the road. And there was a really, really awkward turn just before it. And she came into it, didn't commit enough or got a little bit sketchy on the way in, and then got stood up in the corner. And it put her off balance enough that she had to break to try and line up for the drop yeah. and then she'd already lost too much speed and at the speed she, she was going she would not have been able to clear the jump so you have to stop on the edge and then the only thing you can do at that point because you can't roll it because it's yeah. that's about 15 foot up yeah. um, she had to turn around push her bike round the edge and then set off and you have to do this rock drop onto the road and then continue on lost no it's hard to tell 12 seconds mm. 13 seconds and she was lost it by merely three seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, for these Scottish riders, um, yourself included, this is obviously an, an area that you know well. Mm-hmm. Football, it's, it's, it's often race venue. Um, so I think she would be, I would imagine, at the start of the season, mm-hmm. obviously I don't know Phoebe, I'd imagine she thought, I'm probably going to get a pretty good result in Fort William. Obviously got a second, which is, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I would, obviously I, I don't know her at all, and it's pure speculation. Mm-hmm. But, I think she probably would have thought she won for the win, and her pace showed that she definitely had. Oh it. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like that was hers for the taking. It was just a really unfortunate mistake and a really difficult bit of track mm. that cost her it. But yeah, still, still three second seconds. Place. Yeah, very close. Yeah. And can you remind us who came in third? Uh, oh, was it Amy? It was. <laughs> it was our very own Amy Kenyon. Her second World Cup. Mm-hmm. Her first World Cup podium. How does this line up with your expectations that you discussed with Amy at the start of the season? Um, you know what? I didn't discuss it with her. This was purely my own 
kind of assumptions of mm-hmm. what she could do. And uh, I'd even pitched it to Pinkbike that, oh, I found this girl. She's someone I've known for years, pretty good in a bike. Um, I feel like first year she should be able to top 10, potentially moving towards the top five if she gets super lucky or something, or I don't know. Luck, uh, yeah, just everything, stars align, mm. maybe a podium, mm. maybe. We'll see, probably second year for that though. Um, yeah, she's done it, easy tick that one off yeah. so that's good that's shown that i'm competent in my <laughs> competent <laughs> assumptions <laughs> like a competent assumption mm. so we just need uh, all the other people to do it i guess actually i might have just ticked my one off well i was gonna say before we get on to the main results later but yeah. you've ticked yours off amy's ticked hers off mm-hmm. do you reckon we should just spend the budget on like a team holiday to barbados and just not go to any world cups i do need a tan <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did take the white top off in the finish area to give my number board off my back to someone, and someone did say that, oh, his skin's whiter than his top. <laughs> Do they make SPF 90? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I'll just take take my, my child's uh, baby sun cream. <laughs> yeah. um, one thing I would say about the junior women's, I mean, I feel like this is a really competitive field. The big, like the big hitters maybe are yet to really show their hand this season. Mm-hmm. Um Isabella Yankova mm-hmm. and um, Vanessa Petrovska mm-hmm. probably haven't quite hit their stride in the way they might have thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's racing. Yep. You know, you've got to be in it to win it and you've got mm. to... Um, part of it is a big part of it is not crashing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wonder how that will shape up. Yeah, a bit, of a, bit yeah. of a break to reset. I feel like Isabella's feeling the pressure. You know, mm. like she was the underdog last year that kind of rose up the ranks and started winning all of them mm. and was unknown until mm. last year and then this year yeah, got onto the Gen S specialised team world champion stripes she's got that monster energy sponsorship yeah that's kind of and a, to, to, yeah. to the people at the Fort William who maybe don't follow all of the race and when they see a monster Red Bull helmet eyes mm. on you mm. even if they don't know the sport and thinking like your second year racing World Cups and suddenly all this attention is on you mm. I, oh, I, I feel like she's maybe either trying too hard and maybe making mistakes or or maybe there's something we don't even know about that's affecting her mm. and it's almost I think it's unfair to speculate in a lot of these situations but uh, I chatted with her uh, at the event because she didn't race um, and she actually had a crash in qualifying and was suffering from some concussion like symptoms mm. oh well good enough for sitting out yeah I, think I, I was like sick. yeah same I was like great choice mm. like that's the smart thing to do I, th- I think I'd love to see I'm glad to put this I would love to see more brands or more teams sort of I don't know like talk more openly about concussion mm-hmm. to break some of the stigma because I think these riders are so driven and they're so they probably put so much pressure on themselves mm-hmm. that to not race for something we can't perceive or an intangible thing yeah. often seems like a cop out but actually it gets a shit ton of my respect when someone mm-hmm. says you know what this weekend isn't for me mm-hmm. um and honestly, man, we you know we 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 talked about it in the Lord's podcast, but with Miriam Nicole, mm. and then she comes saying, "Oh, I've been struggling with symptoms of concussion for the last three, four weeks, whatever." I mean, it's her life, and you know, that's that's it's not mm-hmm. for me to talk about her on a personal level, but I do just think, hmm, I don't know, man. I'm sure that you know they only have got a best interests at heart, but it does make me uncomfortable that team managers who will benefit from their riders racing. Mm-hmm. Of also the ones that maybe have to stand in the step in the way. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think. I think it's a structural problem in racing, mm-hmm. not not a personality problem. It's not a personnel problem. And honestly, like yet again, you know, probably the UCI listening will probably be thinking that Henry guy always giving us a hard time. But honestly, like, <laughs> what are you there for? You're yeah. there to regulate the sport. Step mm-hmm. up to it. Well, this, um, this is something uh, the doctor we're using for our concussion protocols has been like actively trying to set up mm-hmm. a concussion unit within the UCI yeah. for the World Cups and he's just not been able to it's mad yeah but it, there needs to be an independent party because team managers can't decide no it's it's, com- it's completely yeah yeah I don't know man I mean obviously I should just win the UCI and oh, fine I'll do it god <laughs> I'm doing everything else <laughs> <laughs> I've never even said anything like that <laughs> Have you seen some of my pastel colour spreadsheets, Ben? That's what we need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, on to the junior men. 
I mean, you know, like, Dax and Goldstone got pipped by three, well, just under four tenths of a second. So mm-hmm. four hundredths of hundreds, a second. Hundredths, yeah. Super close. I think whatever happens this, you know, you know, in terms of that result and how Jackson feels about it, compared to the stomping that happened at the BDS, mm. you know, I think it's an amazing result. Mm-hmm. You know, in both seeding and the race one at the BDS event, Jordan put around eight seconds into him. Yeah. So to bring that Huge. back and arguably Jackson maybe save for a mistake, could have could have won it. He was mm-hmm. up. Um but it leads us on to some really important questions. First of all, there's clearly an appetite for junior racing. Mm. Why the hell isn't Army Broadcasting this? Hmm. But we, so they got the cameras I, there. I, I talked with Christoph, who is the Red Bull um kind of content manager for the World Cup. Does, does he want me it? to make him a spreadsheet, pastel colours on the house? <laughs> it's, I, <laughs> it's it's a issue of timing. So they would have to reserve two separate time slots for the junior and the elite mm. or try and merge it together and then drop some of the elite racing so maybe mm. only have the top 10 or the top 5 oh, I see. but the appetite of the general viewer is mainly for the elite racing mm. so it would devalue they feel oh, okay. the elite event and if they were to split it they don't think people have the attention span to watch the yeah, junior fair, maybe. wait and then watch the elites it's it's a very tricky thing to package it's like saying at a formula one event why don't they show the mm. formula two and the formula one together mm. and it's not saying that you know no, juniors are I, lesser I that fair. but it's, it's a separate thing i just feel like you know the juniors sort of in some ways blows hot and cold but every now and then we do get these mm. huge battles shaping mm. up I, I i agree they should find a way to I mean, show it for ben, those that ben want here, to see it. You're not interested in broadcasting junior racing. Everyone, Everyone's here, is you? <laughs> ben Catho categorically says it shouldn't be it shouldn't be here. We made <laughs> a mock life feed junior race last year that didn't get published <laughs> from Lenzer Heidi. I've got it on my hard drive mm. from that and it's sick yeah. and I wasn't allowed to post it mm. but it will find its way onto the internet at some point. Yeah. No, man, I mean Another thing I'd like to talk about in terms of like the bigger questions about mountain biking is this Jordan Williams, Jackson Goldstone battle is shaping up and it has so many similarities mm-hmm. to the Matt Walker and um, and Finn Isles battle of a few years ago. What is it about an understated Brit going <laughs> against a Canadian star? Why, why, is the, why is the Brit somehow more anonymous? Do you think it's because of the mountain biking industry being... I'm not saying that there's this, a, a leaning in North American mountain biking industry to the west coast of Canada. <clears throat> but there clearly is. Why, like, well, the, you know, there's no... Well, the, it's nothing to do with... Uh, well, not a whole lot to do with location. It's from a very young age, uh, Finn Isle's family has marketed mm. him extremely well. Yeah, true. With videos and things. Jordan? No, I've not seen any... Has he, has he got a balanced bike edit? Oh, to be fair, has he got... That's a big, that's I mean, a big question. Has he? Has he got a balanced bike edit? Ask him. <laughs> but it's just it's just different approaches. Like, uh, I think uh, the Jackson family have just been really savvy with mm. that. They, they've managed to kind of tread a really fine line between, uh, like, cultivating an image and content and stuff to do mm. with Jackson without actually negatively affect him. Yes, true. Like, to meet him, he's one of the nicest, like, friendliest kids going that I've met. And uh, it's, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I, yeah, again, you know, I'm kind of playing devil's avocado and oversimplifying things. But I do find that the similarities are quite interesting, that's all, you know. Mm. I mean, I, I think sometimes, you know, I remember living in New Zealand and there were so many riders there that you just thought, if you weren't on a tiny light island, mm-hmm. you know, being New Zealand where there isn't so much industry, you'd probably be a full pro rider. Mm. You know, and I think there is there is an element of that. But then again, you think, you know, so let's face it, it's not like the British downhill scene isn't supported because we are incredibly mm. lucky in the mm-hmm. UK that it is. Well, uh, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting you mentioned that because third place rider, Remy, Amir mm-hmm. Smith from Australia. Yeah. He's from Australia. He would have been top 
12 in mm. the league. Well, yeah, 12. those Jordan and Jackson would have been fifth and sixth, respectively, in the league. Yeah. I mean, Jack changes to one side, lemons, apples, oranges, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think it is. It's a very compelling fight this year. I think, you know, yeah, what's there to say? I know, I just, I suppose, I just find it pretty fascinating the sort of yeah that, that different dynamic about the the real like Canadian sensation mm. against the it's his character as well yeah. Jordan is very quiet he and reserved yeah. and just focused on the racing which is mm. absolutely fine yeah. but yeah not many people know about him until this year yeah very much so now let's go on to the elite women so Nina winning her second world cup with Camille Blanche in second now I think if you'd sort of Maybe if we go back five years mm-hmm. and we predicted then who the big hitters were going to be now. Mm-hmm. Nina and Camille have come to downhill racing slightly later, mm-hmm. um, either in terms of riding downhill at all or racing in other disciplines and coming to UCI downhill a bit late. Mm. But they've both clearly had tremendous talents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miriam Nicole, established rider for, for, for so long, got third. Eleanor Farina came in fourth and Valley Hole yeah, again, not kind of quite capitalising on her absolute pace, which you know she has, um, with that mistake up top. Mm. How, how did how did you see the how how do you feel about the women's race? Mm. Uh, so we actually, well, I picked Nina for Lourdes for mm. Pink Bike Fantasy Team. Yeah, like it seen. I think you were commenting on it as well from videos from preseason. Yep. She looked incredibly strong and a lot more controlled. Than she'd looked in the past, mm. but then she didn't quite manage to make it work in Lourdes. So uh, it wasn't a surprise to see her winning in Fort mm. William. But yeah, going to your original question of who would I have pictured back then? Yeah, you kind of just felt like Rachel Atherton would just crack on and <laughs> keep yeah, winning keep until winning yeah. It was. It's a hard thing to predict. You never really know. Ta- Tani is obviously an amazing racer. She's already won so much. Mm. She maybe this last years, maybe it's post COVID. I don't know. Like in this sort of after that break, she doesn't seem to be that perennial challenger for the overall. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw. I think Marine Cabrera struggled with a few injuries. Tracy mm-hmm. Hanna retired, and they're sort of almost like a power vacuum. Mm-hmm. And the names that I suspected to go into that haven't necessarily mm-hmm. done in the same way. Um, I mean, obviously they're all fantastic talents, but I just think it's great that we've got this women's field that. Is less pre- kind of less predictable. Mm, it's, more, it's more exciting. I just think I know it's great to see it in such rude health. Same with the same with the junior field. Mm. You know, it's great to see another aspect of downhill riding, and I just hope it goes from strength to strength. Really, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It's looking really good. The, the racing is actually like quite exciting. It's very exciting. Watch. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think, um, yeah, I, I'd be really curious if Rachel comes back when she if she if she comes back when she does you can tell she wants to eh? mm. she wouldn't have been there practicing otherwise but uh, i don't know mm. i don't know if she will or not because it, it she said uh after practice that she just didn't feel strong enough didn't mm. feel that she would safely be able to race to the level she wants to mm-hmm. so she's going to have to make a decision in her head if she actually wants to and train for it because i think she's been doing bits and pieces but she's being a mom first of all and she has to be. Yes. And that's absolutely normal and fair and normal. But there will be, there will come a time where she could. But yeah, it's I, up to her. I really hope she does it, just for what it will mean for women's sport. Mm. Like, you know, racing at an elite level. And um, yeah, I mean, I hope, yeah, I hope she does. I think mm-hmm. I'd love to see her go for that all out record as well. Mm, yeah. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. I just think she's been such a great, not only like ambassador for the sport, but just as such a. Just a fantastic bike rider for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, isn't it? You know, like the level of consistency that these top riders, like the, the greats achieve. Mm. And it is like, you know, even with things like, you know, world champs being a bit of a lottery. And then you look at Nina Scherter or like Bruni, he, he win the lottery yeah. <laughs> several times. It's, it's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. They've got the cheat code. They've got the cheat code, yeah. <laughs> we were talking the other day about, um, about, sort of looking back at how technology has developed. Mm. I remember me and my friends getting our dads to fax each other cheat codes <laughs> on like Tekken 2. <laughs> and Jackson and Amy were like, what's a fax? <laughs> it's the future, kids. <laughs> it's the future. 
Um, so let's go on to the elite men. So Amory Pyrion, I mean, he's, what's there to say? He's just an animal. Mm-hmm. He is just an animal. I love the way he rides bikes. He won Thibaut de Prella in, th- in second, Laurie Greenland within the second of the win in third, and Benoit Coulange was just 0.02 behind Laurie Greenland. Mm. I'd kind of pegged him for the win this weekend coming into the event. No way. I'd read, I don't know what, I'm, you know, if I saw, you know, mountain bikers, they're just mountain bikers, mm. but I don't really give a shit. But I really, I saw Benoit in the pits, I was like, I want to give him the nod. I'm going to give him the nod. I really want him to do well, man. And him tucking between jumps. I don't know if I, whether he was going onto the stem by, by on the handlebars or yeah. he was getting on the crowns. Yeah. I think going onto the crowns for an arrow tuck between jumps is one of the bulziest things you can do in a race. I think it looks absolutely <laughs> savage. And um, it just made me think he's... I think I'd love... To, maybe can we do like a like a sort of a Henry meets Benoit thing where I can just shake his hand and say, fucking good on you. Good on you. Because he's just like... You know, we know him about last time, but... I just love how he just gets it done. Yeah. He just turns up. Mm. You know, you see him just like milling around the pits. Like, almost, like kind of, I think, just really low profile, deliberately so. Mm-hmm. And just lives for the racing. And I've just got so much respect for that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't actually uh, get to see the live feed yet. So, uh, yeah, you showed me that and pointed it out. And I was just like, no way. Mm. No way. And actually, Reese Wilson had talked about doing that. He was calling it the Super Talk or something like that. Mm. And he did something similar when he snapped his chain. I don't know if you remember it. Oh, Snowshoe. yes, yes. He like went in onto just like the yeah. insides of the handlebars. And uh, I don't know how much of a difference that actually makes. I'd be interested. But it's cool, Ben. <laughs> they're just going the extra mile. They are, but I mean, they're, they're... <laughs> there's this amazing photo, which I'm going to try and find. I'm going to try and put in the comments if I remember it. I will remember it. Professionalism, Henry. Yeah. But it might, not, might be for a couple of days. Elliot Jackson when he was still on Yeti doing it in a I think he in maybe a North American World Cup or mm. National Round <laughs> savage such a cool thing I just think honestly man you can keep your whips just right, so aero tucks that are so sick who's, who's going to take it further and really impress you like feet out the back by the, I think the back hands wheel on, hands on lowers is what I want to see the stomach <laughs> stomach on the saddle holding on to the lower axle but yeah just just so I just love how it's almost like it's just so kind of it's not needless but at Fort William doing it for a second mm. seems like a big risk yeah I would for, say so for, for such a small gain yeah, but you, we've seen riders in the past miss timing what they're doing for jumps with Amory Pierron doing the huge nosedive mm. a few years ago can you imagine going for the super tuck <laughs> staring down yeah. and then bringing the eyes up and realising you're already in the takeoff and you can't do anything about it yeah <laughs> so um, and we mentioned earlier on Matt Walker with a really strong result in fifth he mm. kind of I know after winning the overall in that COVID-affected season in 2020, mm. he's still yet to win a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is kind of a such a fantastic talent, and I'd, I'd really love to see him get back mm. to that sort of very, very highest. Yeah, it's super consistent mm. rider. But you see that in a lot of sports that there's just this one or several kind of uh, athletes within the sport that just just have this consistent high-end mm. pace, but they don't have the kind of more sporadic, insane. Mm. kind of runs or results um it's like troy brosnan yeah. was like that as well and it's like they struggle to i don't know maybe they get comfortable at that pace which is insanely high insanely high but tr- when they add, try to add that little bit extra maybe take it too far they'll have a crash and be like Mm-mm, no don't like that mm. back to that even pace win overalls mm. you know do my job kind yeah. of thing yeah, some some people just have that little bit of extra fire they can add. Well, Prairion's a great example. Yeah, he seems that he can just go. He can get that half second. Oh, but it's it's crazy mm. to say like half second over a five minute run. Mm-hmm. A minute's not much, is it? So yeah. It's it point <clears throat> point one of a second a minute. Mm-hmm. And if you think, you know, I think sometimes people talk about downhill, and they think the gaps are bigger compared to something like Formula One. There are plenty of Formula One race tracks that are maybe a minute, minute and twenty. And the gap between first and second for a pole lap mm-hmm. can be, you know, bigger than those, you know, per minute. Mm-hmm. Be bigger. I mean, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. All those different line choices, all that different bike setup, wheel sizes, and it comes down to point one of a second a minute. It's pretty bad. It's wild. Mm. And Ben, why, why the hell weren't you watching the live feed, mate? <laughs> Dude, you're meant to be doing this podcast. Take it seriously. Well, do you have something better to do? Like, Take it some kind of big shot, huh? Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> Luckily, we have our uh, pink bike editorial hero, Ed Spratt. I thought you were. I thought you were going to line line up the old Quinster then. Nope. No, 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 no worries yet. Ed Fuck Spratt. him. <laughs> He was studying it for us and giving yeah, us all he, the details. He, he was doing great, hey. Mm. It was, um, I mean, I don't know, the whole whole pink bike team kind of band together and it's great to see mm. people at Ed, like, you know, give, give us a hand. And great to see him at the race, actually, never met him before. Yeah, but I was, know, um, that was cool, hey. Yes. Yeah, we're kind of from all over the place, so it's it's not like we all go to the pink bike offices mm. in Squamish. Not, well, you don't, you won't do that anymore, will you, Henry? I won't, no. Yeah. Now I've a um, bit of a commute now. Yeah. I used to live opposite, it was so good, but now... um. Yeah, not not so much at least at least for this next little period. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so how was your day, Ben? How was your Sunday? So my Sunday was nice. I started with a panic drive mm-hmm. back to the pits. Oh no, back from the pits to get a turbo bike for the junior racing, which I'd forgotten to plan into the schedule that I had to get. <laughs> 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 and the uh, Craig the physio was waiting in the rain at the bus turning circle, waiting for me to come back. That with sounds this quite tragic. Bike. <laughs> Poor Craig. <laughs> but and I was like, Craig, I'm coming. But there's, like, there's a queue. There's a queue of about 400 spectators on the way to the venue. I'm gonna have to go past them with the hazards on. Oh, I'm gonna do it. And then yeah, just oh, I felt so bad. I was driving past them. We're going. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> And anyway, yeah, sent sent Craig off up the hill. Then our juniors in the race team raced and did quite good. Twelfth for Jackson, second for Amy. But then I did a race. Third for Amy. Third for Amy. Yeah. Correction. <laughs> um, second in seeding, third in race. Yeah. But then I did a race mm-hmm. and um, I had a very good run. No, no big mistakes. And a lot of people made mistakes. So I played my tactics and I kind of paced myself all the way down and yeah. had a good run. Went into the hot seat. Uh, or sat in second place on the hot seat for a wee while and finished up 24th, which was yeah my best result in a long time. Oh, man, I was so stoked. I was so stoked for you, man. Mm. And Amy, I mean, like, yeah. I think wrenching for two Scottish riders at a Fort William World Cup could go one of two ways, and it went really well this weekend, you know? Um, but it's really weird because Signal is patchy at Fort William yeah. at best so you don't, as a mechanic you don't know no you're going you, down in the gun down. going oh gosh and I hope they had a good run you just, I hope they got down in one piece saying yeah. honestly man absolutely made up for you and I think it's just been a, I don't know I think it's just I think it's just super cool for what it's worth like I don't know I'm sure you have your own motivations and you have your own targets and stuff like that and what you want to do but from my half like it was just an amazing weekend I just absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, mm. you know me were great to work with, and and yeah, bike got down in one piece, rims held up, wheels yep. held up, yep. brakes held up, um, and yeah, just absolutely stoked for both of you. Mm. No, it was a cool weekend. Everyone was so good at uh, doing the jobs within the team that for me, it felt like the riding part was so easy, mm. so easy. Like everyone was on time for things, and when it came to like doing the warm up, Henry would come over and be like, "It was ten minutes until the start." It's a 10 minute delay. I'll come back over in a sec and Craig would take me through, do a few spins on the turbo and activating some in my shoulders. And then Henry would come over and be like, right, I'm going to head to the start and then we'll meet you up there. And it was just like, yeah, didn't have to think. It was Craig, brilliant. Craig was a bit of a hero this weekend. Mm. I've got a lot. Craig is our physio sort of um, kind of performance guy. You know, he takes yeah. the riders to how to manage their bodies, their diet their warm-ups, their stretching, their physio, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of also kind of just has this um, sort of role that kind of bleeds into a lot of areas mm-hmm. because his his evenings, when the riders are riding, there's not so much for him to do typically. So he tends to basically really support the team in so many different ways, mm-hmm. one of which was going up and bagging the good spot for the turbo training, yep. which is very, very, very valuable. Yep. And um, as a mechanic, like normally when you haven't got an extra pair of hands there, you're there making sure the rider has everything they need whilst also, yeah, checking for track closures, bolt mm-hmm. checking the bike, yada, yada, yada. And you've always got to kind of be with an earshot, which makes mm-hmm. doing that quite hard. Mm-hmm. It was great to just be like, sweet, that's all sorted. I'm going to come back and give you a 10-minute warning. Mm-hmm. And um, that felt like, yeah, felt really, really good. Yeah, it was sick. Uh, really, really happy with how the team went this weekend. And, uh, yeah, great fun. Great results. 
Yeah, we're looking forward to Leo Gang in yeah, a couple of weeks. So what's on the next on the cards for you then? So home, um, I get a night night to myself um, where I'm going to lie down and probably stay at the ceiling for a while and breathe. Down and just cry. <laughs> <laughs> then the family gets back the next day, so I get to see the the couple babies and my wife chill for a wee bit. And we got go, get straight to organising. I'm going to have to plan all the logistics for getting to Leo Gang. There's a Crankworks event afterwards, so I need to kind of talk with all the team members to see who wants to attend that. And there's a 510 athlete camp that the riders are going to go to. So just booking flights, booking vehicles, just figuring all that out. And probably going to start all the logistics for Snowshoe and Monty and So yeah, busy week of planning. Mm. That sounds great, man. Yeah, we're actually in a... Where are we, Ben? We're in a Bannock, Bannockburn? Um, I think we're... I mean, it's a that. good question. We're in, we're in Green Green Yards <laughs> Garden Centre and Coffee Shop. So, big shout out for the hookup. We, I, felt, I tried to buy a coffee. They were just like, nope, closed. I bought a selection of... I mean, the slightly less delicious variety of sweets. Just so we could sit in their car park. This is the, the one pound specials. What's <laughs> pounder assorted bonbons? Yeah, fucking awful, eh? And you might have heard my clan, my can clinking as I've been smashing some iron brew before I drive, drive back. You know, I, I kind of start. I've got a good weekend planned. Going to go to W Bike Park with Jackson mm-hmm. before then going to Morzine mm-hmm. and casing every jump in the Port du Soleil. Oh, that's exciting. I don't know if they've know. I don't know if they've prepared. Like, <laughs> this is 50 50 in everything. It's just lucky you've managed to uh, acquire a lot of team parts to build a downhill bike. Yeah, man. Jesus wept. <laughs> so have to put, is it okay if I borrow your 600 pound spring from the casing I'm going to do? <laughs> but um, no, honestly, this, this weekend's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a, I don't know, just a, just a fan, an experience I really, really enjoyed. You know, after Lords, honestly, it's kind of like, wow, like this isn't quite what I expected to be. I'm really glad we got through it. But this weekend was like, this is why I love World Cup mm. racing, and this is why I'm so stoked to vote for the team. Mm. And um, honestly, Cathso, like, I'm fucking stoked with the, the job you did. I mean, we took a huge step. I love the fact that you've got that race mentality, and this isn't the end goal. You're doing mm. about how we can get the next step. Mm. Um, and honestly, like, fucking stoked to be a part of it. So, um, yeah, it's been great. Thank you very much for listening to everyone out there to the Bucket Boys podcast. <laughs> Um, we hope I hope actually, to us I hope the sound quality hasn't been that great because we want to keep it as a signature you know what I mean um, people the amount of shit I talk I don't want people to understand half of it you know and if you can guess what I dropped about 10 minutes ago you win you win a like <laughs> yeah right but um, yeah thank you very much for listening have a wonderful time and we've got some really cool media sort of stuff coming out mm-hmm. about Pink Bike Racing soon so hold tight for that for a more in-depth look at the team Cheers, guys, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.